Welcome to Saints Preserve Us, the podcast that tells you everything you need to know about every saint you'll ever need. I'm Christian O'Toole, and I'm here with the authors of Saints Preserve Us, Rosemary Rogers and Sean Kelly. Sean and Rosemary, how are you guys doing? Good. Very good. Blessed. We're back for season two. This is the first episode of season two of the show. We ended season one with 2021, with the end of the year, and now we're back on a very special episode about a very special day that people have a lot of mixed feelings about. Some people really can't stand it. Some Mm -hmm. people go all out. I'm sort of in that camp. (laughs) (laughs) It's St. Valentine's Day, and so we're going to dig into where did this come from as this sort of commercialized Hallmark holiday that we now know and love or hate? Where did it all start? Now, people are now e- even saying just Valentine's Day and forgetting. They used, to, they used to say they Valentine's always just included the saint. Now they stopped. And we're going to just be calling it Vitus Dance? <laughs> By no means. A lot of people call it Valentine's Day. Yeah, that's good, too. There was a whole 30 Rock episode where there's just one character who just goes, Happy Valentine's! <laughs> <laughs> one of those words that people, I think it's been disassociated so much that, like, they think it's Valentine's. Mm-hmm. There's a time of Valentine's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. If you're hanging drapes, you really need it. <laughs> yes, Or yes. you're a fan of Richie Valens. Yeah. Who right. isn't? Yeah, true. Well, there is, or there was, an actual St. Valentine. And so we'll get into the history of him here and we'll figure out where did this all come from and how did it get connected to this idea of love and the sort of sappy things that, you know, we associate with it. So to start, this is another one of those sort of pagan feasts that got co-opted, right? Right. That's my sort of understanding here. It was baptized. It was baptized. That's a nice way of putting it. The ancient Romans celebrated the feast of Lupercalia an ancient pagan fertility festival on February 15th, two days after the Ides. Can we pause for a second? Because Julius Caesar, beware the Ides of March. What are Ides? Their dates. There's the Ides, the knowns. The month is broken up into names. And so the Ides of March, I think, is the 9th. And then the knowns of March are like the 14th or 15th. But the Ides of March is the 15th, but the Ides of February is the 14th. Right. It's interesting. Yeah. Uh, the, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. No. But the Feast of Lupercal is very big in Shakespeare's Julius Caesar. Ah. Well, as, as is the Ides of as March. As is the Ides of March, indeed. And so in Shakespeare's idea, Mark Antony was one of the people taking part mm-hmm. in the Feast of Lupercal, running through the streets, whipping women. And he wants <laughs> him to whip Calpurnia because she's not fertile. And apparently being whipped by someone on the Feast of Lupercal was good for their... Mm-hmm. fertility well yeah so as you've written here it was a pagan fertility festival and members of the Luperci, mm-hmm. an order of roman priests would gather at a sacred cave where the infants romulus and remus the founders of rome were believed to have been cared for by a she-wolf or lupa in latin so for people who don't know this was the origin story of rome right like the yes. creation myth of rome was that remus and romulus were kids who were abandoned in the wilderness. Right. And like were, Hansel and Gretel. Yeah, yeah. And, were, mm-hmm. and were nursed by a she-wolf. Mm-hmm. And you see that picture and statue everywhere. Yeah. They were little chabets and just adorable little toddlers or infants, really. And they were also like, a wolf. like Mowgli. <laughs> right. who was raised, raised by wolves. Yeah. 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 
But in doing so, they kind of became fierce and strong and yes. the founders of Rome right. then. Yeah, and so yeah. Rome has this strength of... And and there was a lot of sibling rivalry, sadly. You think that since they had a wolf mother, that would have made them very close. They One killed the other. I, I believe somewhere. Mm-hmm. In, but also the cave in which the priests used to withdraw and do this kill a dog. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah, the, and it says the priests would sacrifice a goat for fertility and a dog for purification. That's not oh. good. People hate it when you kill dogs in movies or things like that. They will boycott your entire franchise if you kill a dog. <laughs> they found the cave. For a long time it was believed that, no, what, there was a cave. They'd go in and they found the cave. When they were doing a little urban renewal in Rome, <laughs> there it was. So I guess this really happened. These goons would go into a cave and kill a dog and a goat and then run through the streets with little whips. <laughs> <laughs> they would then strip the goat's hide into strips, oh. dip them into sacrificial blood, and take to the streets gently whipping both women and crops with the goat hide. And far from being fearful, Roman women welcomed the touch of the hides because it was believed to make them more fertile in the coming year. So... People just going around whipping people with goat skin and blood. But they, they, they in the, and the, the dogs Hopi. are just abandoned in the cave. <laughs> That's part of the Hopi festival on the mesas. Is the clowns run around whipping people, but not they don't hurt anybody. It's just part of the ritual. It's uh, supposed to be for laughs. It is for laughs. <laughs> okay. No, it's like some slapstick, like right, a clown yeah. with the the bucket of confetti who throws it into the audience mm-hmm. at the circus. Nobody gets wet, but right, right. Well, in this case, they get they get goat's blood on them. This reminds me of I just read Carrie for the first time. Uh-huh. Oh, she gets the pig's blood dumped on her. Yeah, it's all about her coming into her fertility and her womanhood mm-hmm. with a vengeance. Yeah. Like so many pagan holidays, a Christian gloss was added to the festivities in 494 when Pope Galatius I forbade participation in the festival and declared February 14th to be the feast of the martyr St. Valentine. The romance we associate with Valentine's Day may spring from the belief that birds select their mates on February 14th. In the age of courtly love, lovers recited verse or prose to one another in honor of the day. So how do we know that birds select their mates on the 14th? Well, it was in England and France that they believed that that was the ah. date, whether it's ever really been the date or not. And the reason we know that... I was going to say, did we check the bird's calendar? Like, how do we know? <laughs> One day you looked at the window and... They're all, they're, they're all matched up. <laughs> The roosters were covering the hens, and but Chaucer is the one who, the first person we know who said this, or who wrote it down, that this was the Feast of St. Valentine on which the birds choose their mates. But He made stuff up all the time. He was not necessarily a reliable <laughs> narrator. He was also very body. He, yes. He liked a good, you know, romp in the hay. Yeah, Chaucer. He liked a good kiss on the butt, actually. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, the legend is that a priest named Valentinus... Uh, I think Valentinus. It was a very common Roman surname. So a priest named Valentinus defied a decree by Emperor Claudius II, who outlawed marriage for young men because he believed single men made better soldiers. Valentine would marry couples in secret. And when his actions were discovered, Valentine was arrested and dragged before the prefect of Rome, who condemned him to be beaten to death with clubs and to have his head cut off. The sentence was carried out on February 14th, in or about the year 270. He left a farewell note for the jailer's daughter, whose blindness he had cured, and signed it, From your Valentine. 
It's a good story. It's a great story. <laughs> it is, but now I'm thinking of all the kids passing little Valentine's notes, not realizing that a guy got his head cut off <laughs> when the first one was ever sent. Some versions of the story have Valentine being sweet on the jailer's daughter. Oh, I'm sure he was. Right, that there was a certain amount of... Why would he uh, go out of his way to cure her if he wasn't? Well, she was blind. No, but still. He wanted, he wanted to say I'm to her... I'm sure take, there's a lot of people in prison who had all sorts of afflictions. He wanted to be able to say to her, take a look at this. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also, he's got no other options. It's true. You know, when you have limited options, all of a sudden, the jailer's daughter is looking pretty good because... You're not- the jailer's daughter, you got to hand it to her. Yeah. Because she's blind. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got you. All right, so, sure. We're gonna we're gonna forget you said that. Yeah, we're gonna move on. You know, apparently his uh, relics are everywhere. Yes. In the early 1800s, the excavation of a catacomb near Rome yielded skeletal remains and other relics now associated with Saint Valentine. The flower-adorned skull is on display in the Basilica of Santa Maria in Cosmedine, Rome. St. Anton's Church in Madrid has some bones, as does Santa Maria Assunta in Savona, and Our Lady of Mount Carmel in Dublin. There's also a bone in Prague, a chunk of skull in Chelmo at St. Mary's Assumption, his forearm in Glasgow, Church of St. John Dunn, Scotus, and other slivers in the parish church of the Oratory in Birmingham, England, in the Church of the Metastasis of Virgin Mary in Mytilene on the island of Lesbos. You know, I we don't need to take that. a whole side note to the Church what? of the Metastasis of Virgin Mary on the island up. of Lesbos. Yeah, I, I actually had to look that up. And today, interestingly enough, it was a haven for a lot of the Syrian refugees. And, you know, metastasis, it just means change, but everyone associates it with cancer. And as they associate Lesbos with something else altogether, too. So it's a strange name for a church, I would say. Well, that, didn't that, the did, island, that does very good deeds. Doesn't the word lesbian come from the island of Lesbos? Yeah. Yeah. It would be, yes, because it was followers of, of Lesbos were lesbians. Ah, and it was just a lot of women on the island? Well, in theory, Sappho, one of the few poets of ancient Greek civilization, was from the island of Lesbos, and her love poetry appears to be, by and large, to other women. Ah. So then the adjective sapphic. Right. So Lesbos then became where the assumption was that if she's Sappho of Lesbos, <laughs> then Lesbos is girl-on-girl action. Well, in the footage of the refugees on Lesbos, there was a lot of women. Yeah. I'm just pointing that out. <laughs> so this is current refugees from the Syrian yeah, war? Oh, or? current, like three years ago, four years well, ago. Well, that's where they've been landing in there. Mm-hmm. Where is the island? Off the coast of Greece. But I just wanted to say, I read an article that Ireland, the Pope said that the relics of St. Valentine in Ireland are the only official ones. Well, everybody says that because mm-hmm. then it, you know, well, this, is, no, this is the Mr. Pope himself. I'm going to go to the one on the Church of the Metastasis in Lesbos. <laughs> That's where I'm going. There are several saints, Valentine, in fact, who have the same feast, although we have shorter stories about their lives and times. But there are a number in the old list of saints. There are several saints, Valentine. Because it was the name, it just meant brave. So obviously a lot of Romans had that as a surname. Well, I do like this idea that he was marrying people in secret. Yes. I do. I do. I like that, too. And it's an interesting thought that single men made better soldiers. I mean, it's probably true. Yes. But also single men would sometimes have sex with either each other or women they weren't married to. Ah, yes. And Valentine had to stamp that out. Right. Yeah. Well, I can see that then. Mm -hmm. So he's marrying people and he's kind of getting their lovemaking, you know, in a more holy bounds. Mm -hmm. It's also interesting. A lot of military or violent organizations prey on young men. Uh Uh-huh. 
using them because they have all this testosterone and anger and frustration to get out. Well, even in Sparta, although the Spartans reproduced, obviously, the men lived by themselves in the men's barracks, and they used women as a means of having more warriors, but they that wasn't like you didn't fall in love with some woman. Robert Lowell, the American poet, has a poem about the Spartans defending the pass at Thermopylae, which then became that amazing movie. But there's a line that they said, imagine them combing each other's Botticellian tresses and turning into the line of battle die. Wow. Because so you, will fight, you will fight for someone you love. Yeah. It's a good idea. A lot of guys come back from a war and say it wasn't about anything except my buddies and me. Yeah. It's also, I'm thinking of this past week, one person died in the Navy SEAL training hell week. Yeah that they do out at their base in California there. And I've, I've met some Navy SEALs because I filmed a thing where a woman I worked with who was a fitness model went through like a simulated 24 hours of this type of training of being kind of subjected to humiliation and sleep deprivation and in and out of water and carrying giant logs and things like this. And they were like, this is just one taste. Real Navy SEALs go through this for a week straight. And the entire point of it is to bond them with the other SEALs. It's to, to weed out people who can't take it. Right. Mm-hmm. But then for the ones who can take it, they've all been through this miserable thing together. And They're brothers now, yes. forever. Yes. Semper yeah. Fi. But it's funny that out of that, we end up with this thing that young men can't stand, which is the pressure of Valentine's Day. Of, <laughs> yes. you know, like Now they have to take people out to nice dinners and buy flowers and chocolates. And and why do they get stuck with the expense of Valentine's Day? It's always the guys who are supposed to, you know, pick well, up the check. Yeah, yeah, I guess, except, check. you know, yeah. unless they're on the island of Lesbos. <laughs> but it is derided as the most commercialized of all the sort of... Yes. As well it should be. But how did that happen? How did we get through? First of all, you had to have the printing press so you could have cards, and you had to have the post office so you could have cards. When the post office happened, Valentines were possible. Right. And they were anonymous. You didn't sign a Valentine. You wrote your Valentine. It was like a secret admirer that you had. And could she guess who it was? And if so, what good would that do you? But very quickly, it turned into a custom of, uh, they were called sour valentines in the United (laughs) States and the comic valentines in England. They were insult valentines. I like that. And they were really vicious. Of course. But again, they were anonymous. Someone sent you a valentine saying, you know. You stink. (laughs) Roses are red, violets are blue. Valentine stinks and so So do you. you. I think the reason it became a big deal is because between Christmas and Easter, there's really no way that they can get people to spend money. Right. You know, Easter, you got to spend money on clothes, presumably a new Easter outfit. Christmas, you lose your shirt. Yeah. So you got to have something in the middle of that to spend money. There's a, uh, a poem by Victorian poet Coventry Patmore. Probably you're not familiar with Coventry's. I have to say no. <laughs> Anyhow, he was very Catholic, and he wrote a poem about St. Valentine's Day that begins, Well dost thou love thy primal feast to hold in Vestal February. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Easy for you to say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he was the one who created the expression angel in the house. That's what a woman is. And dad guy goes out and does whatever he's got to do, but there's an angel in the house. 
watching over watching over the kids and his life and right. so it's that weird thing of that we do with women which is that we also saying i need to knock somebody up to have a son to make more spartans <laughs> right and she's an angel it's extraordinary that I live with an angel. So uh, Valentine's Day is a bit of the whore Madonna situation. Yes. Going on. <laughs> the Madonna or the whore. It's calling the whore Madonna sounds like we're calling. <laughs> oh, no. I would never. <laughs> that whore. You know me. Yeah. Sadly, St. Valentine has been canceled. Yes. He has. Yeah, he got he got the hook. No, no by, he's the, still... by the church. Yeah, it says the Catholic Church discontinued liturgical veneration of him in 1969 in the summer of love. No less. No. You can still, he's optional now, I think. Like Christopher. His name yes. is remains on the list of officially recognized saints. Were they trying to separate themselves from the commercialization of it? I suppose so. Mm. In the way they were trying to send Christopher with every taxi you get into, or in the old days. But there used to be a St. Christopher medal, and you sort of thought, well, that got kind of kind of commercialized St. Christopher things. And so, they're trying to separate themselves from the giant dog-headed yes, version of it. which him. is a big mistake. Yeah, because it's incredibly fun. We've talked about this at length, and you can go check out uh, St. Podcast episode. And uh, I think I think he's a very effective St. Christopher, as a matter of fact, having had a Christopher Middle when I was driving, and I'm still alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not a good driver, from all I've heard. <laughs> In Brazil, the 12th of June was chosen as a date for couples to celebrate their love for each other on the eve of Dia de Santo Antonio. St. Yeah. Anthony of Padua's day. So they've gone off in a different direction down in Brazil. Well, it's because they couldn't have this thing in the middle of Carnival. What if Carnival began early enough that Valentine's there would be a clash? Yeah. So they just moved. Now, St. Anthony of Padua, though, is prayed to by, by lovers and mm -hmm. by, by women who be, wish to find. lovers. Yes. That's part of his appeal. And I've read that the problem with if a woman prays to St. Anthony too passionately he might respond by loving her, and then no normal man is going to please that woman. <laughs> <laughs> right? right? And paradoxically, or ironically, or coincidentally, his tongue is floating around in a bowl of gelatin, gelatin <laughs> in his cathedral in Padua. So you can make the connection. It's incorrupt. Oh, his tongue? Yeah. They dug him up, and everything was corrupt except his tongue. Well, how did chocolate get associated with it? Do we know that? Well, chocolate yeah, has always been believed to be an aphrodisiac. But also, chocolate is like flowers. I mean, it was just a, something to give somebody. Everybody loves chocolate. But it, is, it was people. when it first showed up in Europe, believed to be an aphrodisiac. Because hmm. right? everything was, like tomatoes, they were an aphrodisiac. Anything that was brought to the old world from the new world was, presumably, potatoes, well-known aphrodisiac. <laughs> Anchovies. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think that is the thing, that all of cocoa and chocolate and all that stuff were supposed to render the other person, put them in a mood for love. Hmm. Dorothy Parker has the poem, Candy is Dandy, but <laughs> Liquor is Quicker. Valentine's Day poem. Well, there was also the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, which was the murder of seven members and associates of Chicago's Northside Gang that occurred on St. Valentine's Day in 1929. And was part of that whole... The night Chicago died. Yeah. yeah no. <laughs> it's when Al Capone was right. running around in Prohibition. And, <clears throat> and Tommy guns. It was a yeah. setup for a very good movie. What's uh, that? The Untouchables? No. The Marilyn Monroe movie. Yes, they saw it, and so they had to get on the run and join an all-women <laughs> orchestra. Some like it hot. Some like it hot. I was once hired to do an update of 
some like it hot, which is such a stupid idea because mm-hmm. it's perfect. Malibu Monroe's dead. But the idea was these guys see some crime and they join it sort of like the Go Go's. <laughs> <laughs> but it was not a good idea. But I myself would have joined the Go Go's in a flash <laughs> if they had asked me, wouldn't you? Of course. What are your guys' experiences with Valentine's Day? Have you ever had any remarkable Valentine's Day dates, yeah. experiences, disasters? I've always been such a naysayer that, you know, people know that I don't celebrate it and that's that. So, oh, they just happily don't spend any money on me. <laughs> My problem, of course, of that I've been married since I was 20. <laughs> <laughs> so, St. Valentine's Day means nothing to me one way or another. <laughs> I, what, would I, what would I use it for? Right. Um, they already know how much I love and care. Well, in our house, we make fondue on Valentine's Day because we have three kids. So it's, you know, going out to a restaurant is just kind of off the table. Um, and fondue is very, you know. Is it cheese fondue romantic? or chocolate? Yeah, cheese fondue. Well, okay. yeah, we, we've discussed doing chocolate. We just kind of have chocolate at the end. Okay. Not That's as nice. a fondue, but uh-huh. fondue is a kind of romantic, you know. Well, you're fondue of one another. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But I highly recommend it because going out on Valentine's Day is always sort of... Oh, you can't get a reservation no. anywhere. No, and it's all too much expectation. and, and It's like drinking on St. Patrick's it's Day. It's so yeah. true. Yeah. Don't so do that. So true. It's just Go not the opposite. Do the opposite thing. Mm-hmm. Have that be a one day a year. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like this idea that St. Valentine was marrying couples in secret and that he wrote the sort of first little Valentine note from your Valentine. It is sweet to think that that's what it's all about. And... Clearly, there is a need, depending on the climate. I mean, I guess Australia is a little different from us. But the idea that spring yeah. is when a young man's fancy turns, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Or birds. Or birds. Yeah. Which or, are hot tweet sort of tweet. all animals. Yeah. Yes. So in this part of the world, spring hasn't yet sprung. Right. So we think Valentine's Day is weird. And, and Coventry Patmore calls it <laughs> Vestal February. Right. But I guess in other places, in things Greece. have already started to happen Yeah, by the middle of February. The Irish think the new year begins on the 1st of February. 1st of February. So it's go. the Feast of St. Bridget. And, you know, I've been on the record in the past as being anti this idea of fall being the best season mm-hmm. because it's very much about, like, everything dying yeah. to me. Mm-hmm. But I like spring. Uh-huh. I mean, I think it's because I'm born in April. And I also have this theory that everyone kind of just likes the season that they're born in because they, as a baby, I, I you're like, this is what the world sure, is like. And then sure. when it changes, you're like, what that's, is this? That's <laughs> me. What, but Sean doesn't like the summer and he was born in the summer. That's right. You don't like the summer. I do, do not you? like the summer. But you fly in the face of everything. My favorite season is the fall and I was born in the fall. But I do like spring as, you know, rebirth and oh, sure. and you oh, know. I mean, there's e. Cummings says nothing is so beautiful as spring. It's just kind of flat-footed way of saying it, right? But that's when the goat-footed balloon man with mm. his bar and we. <laughs> the who? <laughs> goat-footed balloon man? Yes. The E. Cummings poem about oh. how spring is puddleicious <laughs> and the goat-footed balloon man with his bar and we. Many of the poets, of course, preferred spring to, to other times of the year because it is... Rebirth. One of the oldest poems in the English language goes, New springs the spray, which means now the grass has begun to grow. Dear love, I am so sad that sleeping I'm a May. 
That's the thing about spring. You're so sad for love that you can't sleep. I think, gee, that's been going a long time. And the Irish tradition of the aisling, the dream in mm -hmm. spring, you couldn't put that any other time of year. No. And Piers Plowman, which is an Anglo-Saxon aisling, takes place in spring. At my age, it's autumn. Well, you know, we love to bring it all back to Game of Thrones. Of and course. A Dream of Spring is the theoretical seventh volume of the mm -hmm. song in Ice and Fire that we'll probably never get. Right. Because <laughs> we couldn't even get the Winds of Winter. No. No, it Hasn't no. happened yet, but I so dream of should, it. He should step on the gas, Mr. Martin. You and everyone else in the world has told him <laughs> this. It's The thing is, he resents now how many people tell him that. He just what? doesn't want to anymore. It's, uh, you know, it's gone beyond He's tired. Him. Well, <laughs> it's a time of rebirth for us here for season two of Saints Preserve Us. and Now, we should give honor at this time to the... The Welsh saint of love, Dwynen. Dwynen, right. In Wales, it's a big deal. They spurn Valentine's Day mm -hmm. to have St. Dwynen's Day. And she was a teenage girl who someone loved, and she loved him, but she wanted to give herself to God, so uh, he cut her head off. Mm. And, uh, <laughs> Everyone always gets their head cut off. <laughs> yeah, but that's what I call a bad sport. Also, I wanted to point out that today, February 12th, is the... Feast of St. Coleman. Oh. And the, in Ireland, there's a lot, a lot of St. Colmans. But this one is special because he's the one that tried to get the Irish church not to beca become part of the Roman church or not to, to have their keep with the Celtic, you know, literature, which they should have and didn't. <laughs> and Coleman was adamant. He just didn't want it. And he really was right. It would be great if there was just an Irish Catholic church that was separate from the Roman right. Catholic like church. The, like the Greek Catholic Church, mm -hmm. say, or the, the Russian Orthodox. Catholic Church. The, yeah. the Roman Catholic Church has completely rejected its most faithful members, which are the Irish. They didn't give them saints for 700 years, I guess, because they were too poor and too far away, and they always sided with the British. It was, they a, gave, it was the Pope. They gave them. The British Pope gave Ireland to the English. Right. And they did not step up when Cromwell was doing ethnic cleansing, which they could have at that point because they had relationships with Britain. So I think that they should have, Coleman was right, they should have just kept their own church. Which is not out of the question in orthodoxy. You are the, your own head. You're an island unto yourself. Yes. St. Dennis walking around with his head. But Anne Boleyn walks around with her head, too, so it's not just a Catholic thing. Well, St. Valentine could be walking around with his head because like, well, it was cut off. As well as, was her name Dwinden? Dwinden. Dwinden. Now, what St. Bueno came and... St. Bueno. St. Bueno. St. Good. St. Bueno. And put, uh, put her head back on. Ah. Which was... <laughs> and then she went and had her the rest of her happy life out on an island as a nun. But uh, uh, for some reason, when the Welsh celebrate St. Dwinnin's Day, they exchange wooden spoons, <laughs> <laughs> which are... Are but the Valentines That's of the Welsh. That's a lot cheaper than candies than and, and more flowers. pragmatic. Yeah. You can always use a wooden spoon. <laughs> but they decorate them very. Oh, it's a, like oh. it's an art form in Wales. Don't you remember when we discovered St. Dwinnin? Yes. And we used to get... And you we said, got, why do I have to be a teenager in love? Yes, that that was her song. <laughs> and, and then we got letters from young people asking, is it really true? Can she really... Get me back together with, you know, Larry, oh, yes. which was yeah. very touching. So, so touching. And we would write back on definitely. <laughs> yes. Definitely. Well, I think you can say a prayer to St. Dwinnin if you're a teenage in love mm -hmm. and you need to get your sweetheart back. 
And you can say a prayer to St. Valentine if you're in prison and you're writing to somebody. You know, yes. You've fallen in love with the jailer's daughter. <laughs> you're, you're on death row. You've got one last shot at love. Write her a Valentine. You got to lose. Yeah, nothing. You're head. head. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you're uh, a young man who's being conscripted into some kind of war, if you're on the border of Ukraine right now and, and a Russian soldier <laughs> and they're convincing you that you should go off and invade another country, maybe... Make love, not Make war. Make love, not war. That's, That's right. That's what Valentine's all about. You know, since the summer of love in 1969, we've been discounting this guy when really he had it all uh, figured out. Had it you figured know? out. If yeah. you stop the young men from fighting, get them to settle down, get married. You know. Then yeah, but then what happens to the songs like "Where Have All the Flowers Gone"? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? Which is, which is about that. When will they ever learn? Well, I think, you know, we'll give it a shot. We've done, what, 3,000 years of war yeah. and fighting? Let's try another 3,000 of, you know, loving. Okay. All right. Age of asparagus. That's <laughs> <laughs> just the dawning of the age of uh, St. Valentine. Okay. Valentinus. Right. Well, thank you, guys. And this is just a short, you know, kind of jump off into season two of Saints Preserve Us. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to try to make it a little more focused this time around mm -hmm. on, on useful saints. On yeah, useful saints is really important. Plus, I did not know that there was a, a patron saint of constipation <laughs> well, and a diarrhea, and I'm really thrilled. To say against, against, against constipation. constipation. Yes, if you against, are constipated. If you're constipated, you have a saint to pray to. And if only uh, Martin Luther had him. Exactly. <laughs> Martin Luther. Mart We'd all be speaking Latin. Yeah. And Catholicism would be even more. Maybe that was for the best. I don't know. I, I can't figure out how that would work out. No, I can't either. <laughs> right. We'll dive into that deeper. We'll dive yes. deeper into the constipation of Martin Luther <laughs> and the saints he could have used on future episodes. So stay tuned. All it's right. useful saints. Useful saints. And, you know, just less is more. Focus a little deeper on the saints that we... We do, and because we hit a lot last year, we did a right. number, we did a number of saints, and we're running low. I think so we got to focus in this year. I think we have to really pay attention to Saint Pantaleon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty wacky about Saint Pantaleon because he's of his pants. Because of his pants, he's the patron saint of pants. Again, very useful, very useful. Everyone needs pants. Do so. We'll get there. Even on Valentine's. Even on Valentine's. Only the for the with. first half, but then, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you all, and join us on season two of Saints Preserve Us, and, you know, more great saints to come. More, more, more. More saints, yes. Hallelujah.